Hi, welcome to Tabs Two Cents, the show where we talk about finance, business, and achieving success. Today on the show, we have Isaac Mashman. Isaac is the creator and owner of Mashman Ventures, and he is the host of the podcast, Chase the Vision. We're talking about branding, marketing, all kinds of entrepreneurial subjects going on here. Hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to Tabs Two Cents, the show where we discuss multiple income streams and macro factors affecting the world today. Welcome to the show. Joe, thank you for inviting me on, my man. Yeah, no problem. I thought we could just get started with a little introduction. What is Mashman Ventures and Chase the Vision? Yeah, so Mashman Ventures is my public relations firm. Launched that on April 17, 2020, and we focus and specialize in uh, helping people create, maintain, and scale their personal brands. Um, And then Chase the Vision is my podcast. Now, I've had that for... Man, June 10th is going to mark the the three year mark of of having that show, and the the premise of that is using it as a platform to share my experiences and knowledge and life and business. Um, I'm a huge believer in personal growth. Uh, a lot of what I've learned today and and you know the sex su- success that I have can be attributed to you know learning from another person, learning from their experiences. Um, you know, there's a quote that says you know the genius learns from the mistakes of others rather than making those same mistakes. I believe it was Einstein who said that quote. And um, quick. 30,000 feet overview. Yeah, that's awesome. So maybe we can just dive a little bit into Mashman Ventures. I know certainly for me, I'm still a little bit confused. What's the difference between a brand like branding and marketing? Like they, they kind of work together, but a little bit different. Yeah, excellent question. And that's something that a, a lot of people have been asking me lately. And um, that's actually part of partly why I wrote my book um, that I published last year. But branding can best be defined as what something is known as or known for and marketing is how you get more people to know about it. However, it's important to also note that your personal brand is different from a company brand which is different from an employer brand or your podcast brand. A brand is much more than just a logo and a name. That's part of it. But a lot of people think that just the logo makes the brand, but it's the message behind it. It's the mission. It's the the product or service that's offered. So if you were to think about Coca-Cola, right? We know the italicized, you know, the Coca-Cola logo, we might be able to even roughly draw it might come come out pretty pretty crappy i'm not a a great artist myself but we know what the brand stands for we know what they offer um we know the polar bears right the polar bears of taco or uh, of of coca-cola we think about taco bell here in america you know the little taco dog that they had for a moment it's like all those different aspects and pieces kind of come together to make the company brand but where my work comes in is we focus on the personal brand so you as joe right? And we would be focusing on you as the founder, you as the nuclear engineer, whatever your field is. And it's oftentimes overlooked, but it's it's extremely powerful. Yeah. And myself being somebody who's just kind of diving into this with my mm-hmm. podcast, and I didn't even know what a brand was until a couple of years ago. I was mm-hmm. like, people said, you know, I'm working on my brand. I didn't know even what they're talking about. But mm-hmm. when you talk about personal brands, how much do you dive into those? Because I know at the start, you sort of jump around a little bit. Do you think it's too late to change it at some point or should you always be a little bit nimble? Well, your personal brand you've had since the day you were born, even before you were born, your mom was like, oh my God, little baby Joe's coming out in a couple of months. You know, your parents determined where you were born. Um, I don't know. I know that you're currently in Ontario. I don't know if you're from Ontario, but they determined where you're born, your political affiliation to a degree, what religion you were raised in, what schools you attended. Um, and then from there, your teachers kn- knew you as a student. They knew you for somebody. And then you graduate, you go to college, your friends, your professors know you for something. And then you jump into your professional field and you continue growing and scaling your personal brand 
And so it's not something a lot of times people believe that they have to create a new personal brand. All you have to do is direct and make use of the personal brand that you've had your entire life. You can never create another one. You're always going to be you. And so I think that's important to, to kind of signify and saying that, you know, a lot of times people are saying I'm working on my brand and they're working more on it's it's a mission. It is a you know, it, it's something that they're pushing forward, kind of like a series of beliefs, uh, culture. But a lot of times they focus on something secondary when they should be focusing on their personal brand, realizing that people are going to remember them and that develops their authority. It's never too late to start. And I mean, you know, the older you get, the more people, connections, network you should probably have had built over the years to where you could even propel yourself forward quicker. You know, I've seen a lot of CEOs, a lot of people in business, um, finance especially, to where, you know, they were unknown to the general public for decades. And now they're coming onto the scene as thought leaders, as people saying, hey, we took this company public in the, you know, the dot-com boom. We've done X, Y, and Z. We've raised billions of dollars and they already have authority to where people are now comfortable listening to them and viewing them as mentors. Yet two years ago, they didn't know they existed. Yeah. So you can really build off your own accolades then and, and just make sure that people know where you came from. Yeah, absolutely. With, without a doubt. And I mean, it's, it's important to do things that build up your credibility. And, you know, you can, I've had the opportunity of talking to people in the past that, haven't really built out their social media following, but they built out a successful company. And now whenever they want to build out their personal brands, you know, they're able to get that public's viewpoint. But regardless, you'll be known in your social circles. You'll be known in your professional circle. But to be known by everybody, that's the question. And, and I know a lot of people, you know, feel like they need to be introverted and that they want to be private. But I'd honestly say now, if you're wanting to build a business, you can't afford not to be, you know, and not to be building out your personal brand. Yeah. And it's a lot harder than people think to you know, get out there and get exposure. And I had a, was a discussion with a real estate agent. I said, Hey, do you want to come on the podcast? You know, we could maybe get you some exposure. And he kind of was along the lines of, you know, social media is not for me. Mm. Uh, if people want to find me, they'll look for me. You know, I'm kind of like, that's great. But you know, maybe they're looking for somebody, which could be you. So mm -hmm. what, what do you think some tips are for people who maybe have a good product or service that they want to get out there? Yeah, well, number one, realize that people aren't going to be coming to you because now you, we're entering. That's an old world thinking. Even before I was even born, people were you know thinking about that and such. But if I was to go and be looking for a real estate agent, yeah, I could go with the person I know possibly or I could be going and finding the real estate agent that is building out her social media or their social media and, you know, has a track record saying, hey, we're the number one real estate agent in the specific area in this market. We've done X, Y, and Z. We've done this. And then you build out the relationship. And I think that social media and not taking advantage of that is leaving a ton of money, potential clients, or if you're even into philanthropy or nonprofits, it's like you're doing yourself and the cause that you're standing for a disservice by not putting yourself out there and not taking advantage of these tools. They're, they're here to, you know, serve you and assist you. And so, I mean, initially, I would say get on all, all the social media platforms, you know, get on Facebook, get on LinkedIn. If you're in business, especially, you know, having a professional profile on LinkedIn is important. And, you know, I, when, when it comes to personal branding, my work isn't just like, let's go ahead and get you on a couple social media platforms. But it's important to have something called omnipresence. Omnipresence is, is have you ever heard of that term before? No. Okay. So omnipresent is normally referred to when we're talking about God, any religion, God is everywhere all the time. Right. And so in the least sacrilegious way that I could say, you need to be omnipresent with your personal brand. You need to be everywhere all the time to where now opportunities are finding you. 
And social media has algorithms that are meant to keep people on the platform, meaning that they're pro creator. They want to see you win. They want to bring opportunity to you. And the more places you're out there, the more things that you do to establish your authority and your credibility means the more exposure and the more potential eyes, the more attention you have is the better. Um, I was just reading an essay by Andrew Carnegie and he said, you know, you need to seek attention, you know, that, that's paraphrasing it. But he says, you know, if you're looking to even gain in your career, you know, a lot of times they say to be hush hush in your career and just go skate by, do what the boss is telling you. But the correct way of doing things is actually getting the boss to pay attention to you and getting everybody to see you. So now they're like, hey, this person is trying to go above and beyond. So it's like, even if you're not in business, even if you're not an entrepreneur or maybe you're an entrepreneur building a career, it applies. You know, people are going to think of you for something. Yeah. And the lessons that I've learned along the way, and like I said, my first Twitter account just started March 2020. So like, I haven't been doing this that long. I didn't even know how to use it. I had to learn hashtags and stuff, but I'm learning along the way. And um, definitely something I realized was that the lessons you learn when you, even if you start a podcast, say, are huge just from the very beginning. Like you start to learn how to network properly. You start to make some connections. You start to look at these social media avenues. And one thing I want to ask you about as far as social media, do you think you should focus on the ones that you use because you're more likely to use it more often? Or do you think you should focus on the ones where maybe there's the most traffic? Yeah, well, how can you be omnipresent if you're not on all the channels? Now, I'm not saying that can be misconstrued and said that, oh, you need to create content for all of these channels. But in reality, people who maybe crunch for time, maybe especially I've been talking to a lot of clients and prospects lately, and it's like, I don't have the time. And I'm like, you have to make the time, but it's not like you have to spend 24 hours a day, you know, your entire life creating content, creating content, creating content. But what you can do is you can create content once and distribute that across multiple channels. So what I mean by that, let's say you have a post on Instagram or you're promoting an article or something. You could take that same post, that same caption and post that same thing on Facebook, on LinkedIn, on Twitter. Now, Twitter, you have the character limit, so you might need to paraphrase, but you can also post it on, on YouTube. Or if you have a short vertical video, which is, to answer your second question, performing exceptionally well right now, generating a lot of exposure, TikTok, Instagram Reels, YouTube Shorts. But given what I'm telling you today, and at the time somebody is listening to this podcast, might not apply two years from now or three years from now because algorithms are consistently changing. But right now in 2022, short form vertical video on Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok, like really, really growing. Um, and I would say that's important to, to spend time kind of creating content. And if you're not somebody who feels comfortable behind camera, work on it. All it takes is literally pulling out your phone and recording. I used to be the guy who, like, I don't even have certain, you know, yearbook pictures because I ran away from the camera. I was like, I'm not even showing up. Like, and it, it, I didn't stay home, but I, I stayed in my teacher's classroom and ate lunch after, you know, rather than going to, to picture day. And I used to hide and be in the very back row. But now I, I realize that I need to be in the forefront and, and, you know, need to run towards the camera because that's how I get more exposure. And same with even doing a podcast. How was it when you heard your voice for the first time, Joe? How did, how did you feel about it? I was okay with it. I know a lot of people hear the voice and hate it. Uh, for me, yeah. I was just like, yeah, I guess that's my voice. <laughs> okay. Well, that, that's an anomaly because most people ask that question. They're like, I hated it. Uh, and, and even myself, I used to despise the sound of it. But I realized that, you know, that's kind of a trade off of, of leaning into that discomfort and going into it anyway. Yeah, for sure. And it's interesting you mentioned the algorithms because I was listening to a TIP podcast. I wish I could remember which episode, but the guest was talking about YouTube and mm -hmm. being a creator. And, and he was saying how the algorithms now are so powerful, like these are multi-billion 
you know, trillion dollar companies. And when you're a creator on these platforms, those algorithms are working for you. Mm-hmm. If, you if you're a viewer on these platforms, if you're watching YouTube, then you're, you know, what they're selling. You're the product. Exactly. So all you have to do is start making videos and you're essentially, you know, working with the algorithm for YouTube in a sense. Yeah. Now, now, even though you're working with YouTube and kind of partnering with them, it's important to also not just rely on algorithms. This is something a lot of people think that, oh, if I just create the content, people will naturally come to me. And, and the answer is no, that won't happen because why would they come to you versus the next guy? And that's why it's important to kind of take yourself serious in this. This isn't some like hobby, but also understand that that by putting yourself out there, creating content, it can help your career. Like let's take a hypothetical situation. Like you're applying for a new job, a new position that is, let's say market research as boring as that might be, or as entertaining as that might be. Let's say you start creating content on social media and you have, you know, your, your Instagram handle, you have your Facebook profile. And on occasion you might throw a statistic or a post or make a video about market research. Now you employ, you know, the majority of employers now are looking at their social media accounts of the perspective, you know, hirees as well as their employees to kind of gauge, hey, are our employees, you know, being a good representation of our company. Now they see that you're interested in the job that you're applying for. You have a decent level of interest. Are they more likely to hire you or the person with the same accolades? but doesn't have the social media. And so this transcends, you know, and I'm, I'm enjoying this conversation because it transcends the, the entire realm of, oh, all you need to do it for is to grow your business. No, you can do it to grow your career or even your reputation on a local level, you know, in your city. Yeah. And actually something I've noticed is I've had a lot of great conversations with people outside of the podcast because they may listen to an episode and then they're more likely to approach me with different subjects like, oh, hey, Joe, like, what do you think is this? And then, you know, at a social level, that just is a larger network. You know, you can make more friends that way or you can have better relationships because maybe you wouldn't talk to those people before, which I think is an interesting effect that I didn't expect. Yeah, 100 percent. I think that's an enjoyable effect, too. Yeah, for sure. Um, So one thing I want to ask you about and because I do YouTube as well. So this is on YouTube and on audio versions. What do you think about tags? What do you think about thumbnails? Like all these things? Because I know that I'm probably in the vast majority of people who feels like I put out a decent product, but maybe don't get the views in return. And it's Mm -hmm. probably one of those things where you just got to get out there a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah. Well, YouTube is one of the most difficult platforms to establish momentum on, but is one of the easiest to keep. Um, A lot of platforms, you know, it takes it or it's relatively easy to blow up like TikTok, for example. Um, You know, the algorithms are pushing you out, pushing you out, pushing you out. You could have a brand new account and reach and literally go viral. I've seen it on on random, you know, grandmothers who are like 80 years old, have more wrinkles on their face than, you know, it's, it's remarkable. Yet they blow up and now they have an audience of a couple million. And now they're actually able to generate more money than they've probably ever made in their entire life because they're getting the creator fund, they're getting sponsorships, they're getting all these different things. You know, I think um one of the guys, I don't remember, but it's called Grandma's House and he's built his entire social media following based around him and his, you know, 90-year-old grandmother doing ridiculous stunts. But now he's making hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars at this point. But 
YouTube, I would say if you're starting out, even if you've already put out a, a roster of content, and you have something to promote, to promote it on other platforms. So for example, if you're on LinkedIn, you know, reach out to some people. Even in person, if you're talking and having a conversation, don't be afraid to maintain contact with somebody new for the first time and say, hey, what's your Instagram? You know, I use uh, an NFC business card rather than, um, you know, the paper business cards because 80% of those get thrown away. But, um, you know, I had the opportunity of interviewing the founders of the company, but I, I was at a networking event last week in, in D.C. And I'm going up, I'm, I'm networking with every single person. I'm trying to get their Instagrams. I'm trying to get their Twitters, their Facebooks, their LinkedIn's so I can continue growing those relationships. But now I can say, hey, go ahead and subscribe to me on YouTube. Oh, you're interested in podcasts? Listen to my show on YouTube. So you're encouraging that action to be taken now. On YouTube, there are things that you can take into consideration and to get super micro specific here um, regarding having a title that is searchable. Um, there's a, a tool out there called vidIQ that I use sometimes to gauge how well my tags are or, you know, is the, the title fighting for any other search results? Um, and, and that's a, a free tool. The free version is great. And tags are good, but it's not something that's really going to generate me much views. And when it comes to thumbnails, I am honestly too lazy to make them myself. And so anytime that I have a serious video that I want to publish, then I'm going to have somebody else who also edited the video create my thumbnail. But I know from some really amazing people such as Roberto Blake, I, I check out his channel. Um, you know, he's he's definitely big on, you know, having thumbnails and having kind of that seamless branding, having consistent branding. Um, so I would say taking the time, it is it is worth it. I'm just, you know, like, all right, I'm promoting this on a bunch of other platforms. Like I'm not going to take the time to create a custom one, but it does add up. Yeah, for sure. It's just there's so many things. Um, and, you know, somebody like me who's sort of just doing this on the side, this isn't yeah. my full time job. Like it's it's interesting to talk to someone like you who's obviously put a lot of thought and effort into this type of mm -hmm. um, industry and just kind of wondering, like, if you're someone like me and you're just starting a podcast, where should where do you think the initial focus should be? Social media, thumbnails, content? you know, shorts, but what would you say for somebody who's just starting? Distribution channels. That would be it. You know, once you get the show, you get the name, you get the cover art, you get it looking good, get it on as many channels as possible. I don't know, like what, what service do you use to distribute your show? Is it Anchor, Lipson, Podbean? Podbean. Podbean. Okay. So that when you signed up, you know, you go for the monthly subscription, they get you on a variety of channels, but they don't get you on all the channels. So I'd say take your time and do research. You know, you can get on Amazon Music that that has high ranking. You can get it even on directories that are in India, such as Ghana. You can get on a lot of these different sites that can help you take up more search results when the podcast is viewed, put you in front of more potential people organically to where now you're you have the option of, you know, somebody's going through browsing podcasts and yours just so happens to pop up. So you're able to get some more organic listeners. And then after you have the distribution channels taken care of, because that's something you only need to do once you get it on all the platforms, you're good to go. Then I would say really put a lot of emphasis into marketing and being consistent with how often you're publishing your show. Um, you know, the most successful podcasts have a consistent schedule to where they're posting every Monday at this time, every Tuesday at this time and doing those things that will make you look like you are in association with the greats is how people start viewing you as one of the greats. And that's kind of a mental thing that you got to do. You got to kind of turn that, you know, trigger on saying, Hey, what am I doing this podcast for? And realizing that the only way that people are going to listen is by treating it as something that is worth listening to. Um, you know, the average show, you know, I quote the statistic all the time is 
you know, they never pass 20 episodes. They never pass 20 listeners per episode. And then afterwards, the podcast goes into the grave. Um, and so it's like, even if you pass the 20 episode mark, you're doing better than most. And then from there, the numbers will take time. But getting yourself on different platforms, you know, for example, with my own show, Chase the Vision, is how I've been able to chart. Like the beginning of this week, I was charting at number one on self-improvement in Mali. I'm like, I've never been to Mali before. I've never been to, to you know, West Africa. And my podcast is charting because I was on different platforms that are widely used in Mali, if I was to look at the statistics. Yeah, that's really interesting. You never know what kind of base is going to take interest in your show. So yeah, mm -hmm. I think that's definitely important to just kind of get it out there. Um, it's interesting. I had a, a guy on last week, Paul Halmy, and he he owns a MMA business. and I asked him the question. I said, who do you think is a more successful fighter? I don't know if you know anything about MMA, but I mentioned Conor McGregor and GSP, GSP being one of the technical masters. And then Conor McGregor, of course, being mm -hmm. who he is and the marketing. And he's the most successful from a money standpoint in yeah. the MMA. So, you know, what, what, what do you think it is about Conor that gets people so interested? Well, the one thing with Connor is he's not a gimmick. I don't know the second guy and anybody who's listened to the MMA is automatically going to discredit anything I say because they're going to be like, man, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. No, that's Connor. the thing, though, is you don't, you know, you don't know him, even though exactly. he's a great in the MMA world. Exactly. And so Connor, although, you know, he's more well known, I don't know about I can't talk about fights and statistics and who's better and who's not. But to be able to fight, you know, Floyd Mayweather and make, you know, what, $200 million off that match or $50 million or whatever. And then from there, be able to take it to where, you know, his, his um, whiskey brand Proper 12, which isn't the greatest whiskey in the world, is still worth, you know, however much it's worth. It's the person behind it. And I'd say that Connor is somebody who there's a fine line between b being a personality and being a gimmick. And he's somebody that is a personality because he's not a gimmick because I've seen all of the videos that he behaves in, even when he doesn't know that he's being filmed and that's how he behaves. And I'm sure that he's probably similar to like that in private as well. Um, and then we have other people too that have built out their personal brands off of being a gimmick, but they're going to be the people we forget about. Um, a, another great example would be The Rock. The Rock is known for who he is, not for what he does. He, he has Terramana Tequila, right? He has all these different brands that he has going on, but he's not a gimmick and he's known for who he is and that's where the authority comes in. Yeah, for sure. So what, what do you think some keys for people that they could take away from this to sort of find their personality? Let's say not necessarily like nobody wants to be a gimmick. Everybody wants to get the best of themselves and, and bring that out. So what do you think mm -hmm. uh, people can do to kind of look inward and find that person that they want to showcase? Well, ask yourself why you want to be known. That's something that's something that I, I would begin with asking yourself why not one of the Simon Simon Sinek, you know, start with why or whatever that book is. I'm, I'm not a fan of that that whole conversation, but I would say to kind of ha develop a deeper understanding and kind of go into introspection and, and understand, do you want to be famous? If you want to be famous, why do you want to be famous? What does famous mean to you? Do you want to be known locally or do you want to be known nationally or internationally? Um, you know, because it, those are different playing fields. And I always say and suggest, hey, you need to be known as, by as many people as possible. So that that is international. Um, and understand what do you want to do with that attention? Since fame is, you know, synonymous with, with attention, do you want to monetize it? Do you want to direct it towards a cause? Do you want to direct it towards something you care about? Do you want to go ahead and, and build a business off of it and build a, build a business based around your last name? 
you know, my PR firm is named Mashman Ventures. I have Mashman Properties. I have Mashman Investments because I am the driving force behind it. Um, Andrew Carnegie, John D. Rockefeller, it's like the name holds weight. So after you kind of have that figured out and you might not have to know every single minor detail, but just having a general understanding, then I would start taking yourself serious and understand that the only way that people are going to pay attention is by positioning yourself as a public figure, getting on all the social media platforms, being omnipresent, I'm not saying you have to create all this kind of content and then understand what do you want to be known for outside of just who you are, right? Because you have different things that are unique to you, um, you know, specific interests, you being a Canadian, you're naturally going to be able to connect with Canadians better than I would. That's a level of rapport that you can build. You know, rapport is trust. Me personally, I come up, you know, if, if there's Isaac Mashman and then there's Joe, they would pick Joe because you're naturally Canadian. I'm American. So it's like, and that's just an example of something simple to where I've been able to close clients off of the fact I drink coffee and they drink coffee because there's a level of trust that is built. And then from a professional standpoint, if you want to monetize it, you want to go ahead and get that attention and direct it. Or in the case of a podcast, why do you have the podcast outside of just having conversations? Do you want to eventually launch a business or do you want to run advertisements? Do you want to get sponsors? Right. And then realize that the only way that you're actually going to be able to do that is to take it at a high level. And so, you know, get aggressive about your mindset and have as many conversations as possible, you know, go up to strangers. And that's something that makes people really uncomfortable. But at the end of the day, we'll generate that revenue. And so once you get the social media channels taken care of, run a Google search of your name. What pops up when your name is Googled, right? Because a lot of times too, just going back to the employer, can they find you online? Can a prospective listener find you? Um, so for example, if you have a name that's not common, what can you do to do to pop up? You know, you might want to be known as, you know, you might want to include your middle name. Let's say your name is John Smith. You might not pop up, but you go by John Z Smith. You might eventually pop up. And I'm going into some some specific tactics here, but you know these are all things that kind of add up. Um, you know, and if you've been in business for two decades, highlight that fact. You know, I've had one client who's an author, and I'm like, all right, well, you're an author. That's one point of credibility. Okay, so you've also been an HR professional for two decades. So that's a point of credibility. That's a point of trust. And now you need to let people know about it and talk about yourself, which makes people uncomfortable. And don't be a narcissist about it and say, oh, my God, look at me, look at me, look at me. But don't be afraid to, to share what you have going on, because that at the end of the day is how you make more money. You get more attention. You help more people. You direct more eyeballs to a cause or to a nonprofit. And so it's like there's so many different benefits to it. I could go on for hours on it. Yeah, for sure. I think just be yourself is the key there. And don't be scared to brag a little bit about what you've done because people put a lot of work into their lives and, you know, it doesn't matter what it is, but it takes a lot of effort to, you know, say you're, say you're a guy who plays in a blues band, like I've played in some bands in my life and I know the time and effort it takes to get dialed in and time to play a show. And, you know, that, that kind of thing shows dedication and discipline. And then if you carry that over into other uh, aspects of your life, then it's definitely something to think about for sure. Um, what do you think about success in general? Because one, one of the things I say on this show is uh, at the very beginning, I always say how to achieve success. Um, mm -hmm. What do you see as success for you? Just curious. So for me personally, I want, I, I'm so tempted to use the quote because this is honestly the best definition I've ever heard. And, and my mentors have ever heard as well. And, you know, it's by Earl Nightingale. And Earl Nightingale says that success is the progressive realization of a worthy ideal, it's something you're working for. And my definition of success is going to be different than you. And he mentions in his audio, The Strangest Secret, that, you know, the, the stay-at-home mom who mothers her two, ch two children, that could be success to her. 
in my own life, success is living up to my potential. And the interesting thing about that is potential cannot be defined. And whenever we have that conversation of what is potential, there's no way of knowing what that is, except you're living up and doing everything that's in your power to be better than who you were previously and working towards that next level. And so, and, and it isn't just about the material side of things, the, the financial aspect. Yeah. Am I working to become a billionaire? Yeah. I got, I got a good ways to go. Don't get me wrong, but it's like, I have my eyes there, but I'm working to live up to my potential in relationships and friendship, you know, the, the relationship that we're building in conversations even the even being a better cat dad you know like that is literally a form of living up to your potential as stupid as that might be it's like what can you do to be better um what can you do do to be better a better mentor a better father a better son a better relative a better cousin a better businessman a better leader so that's kind of what success su success means to me and then I'll, you know i could get into a little bit more specifics about like the metrics but living up to my potential is like what i what i call and what i refer to as my purpose in life my purpose is to live up to my potential the closer i get to that the better every other area will be in in suit yeah for sure i i'd have to agree just live up to the potential and do the best you can with the hands you dealt and keep on keep on grinding for sure is definitely where i'm at as well I think um, for me, you know, when you say, what's your vision? Why do you want to, let's use my podcast, for example. And for me, the reason I started this show was just to learn from other people, because I find that I learn a lot more within a conversation, like than I would from reading or, you know, whatever. So for me to actually engage in conversation is the best way to learn. And um, when you talk about networking, something that I've noticed is that the farther along I've gotten, the better my guests have got because, well, not necessarily better, but certainly like more established in these areas. Mm -hmm. So like, you know, more, more experts in certain areas as you begin to network, they're more likely to come mm -hmm. on your show. So I think that that's, you know, a good thing to look at because as you say, the bigger your audience gets, the bigger your following gets, maybe you're more likely to land some of those big interviews. Yeah. And that's a man, that is a fantastic example of why you're doing the show and how you're taking those action steps to kind of move forward in those areas to where if your goal is to learn more and to have conversations, it's not to necessarily network, but it's to be able to have a conversation with that person that can get you that information to where you can soak it up as a sponge. But now you start with the show, you might start with one guest who might you know, might not be extremely credible or might have just been, you know, starting off or having a, a casual conversation. And then you progress and the caliber of guests increase as your listenership increases, as the previous, you know, number of episodes you've recorded increases now. So do the guests, which also means that the amount of knowledge that you can soak up or at least the value of the knowledge is going to increase drastically and exponentially. And so that's a, a fantastic, you know, example of how what why you started the show is actually starting to come to fruition and so congratulations man on that i love that yeah for sure and that that is the goal and it, not only that but the more conversations i have then other people can listen as well mm -hmm. but i do find it interesting um i have to say like some of my first guests are not necessarily subject matter experts so i have a guy who comes on doug is it all he goes by and he's been investing for 30 years as a personal DIY investor. But some of the knowledge built into that interview is amazing, really. It's, I thought, as good as something you would hear from someone who's been in the financial industry. Mm -hmm. um, what do you think about 
pulling information from people who aren't necessarily subject matter experts. Because well, a lot of people know a lot of stuff is what I've realized in my life. Being a subject matter expert is not, it, it does not mean that you have to be known by everybody. You can be a subject matter expert and not be known by people. Mm -hmm. So it's really in, in a case of Doug, right? <laughs> Doug. Um, yeah, exactly. You're, you're like, his name is Doug and all he goes by is Doug. I'm like, all right, Doug it is. But in Doug's case, he's been investing for 30 years. He's not bankrupt. So yeah. he must know something, right? And so the a lot of times time is going to mean that there's more experience. Not always, but a lot of times time does equate to more experience. And you could also learn what not to do. I'm sure that in those 30 years, Doug has made some trades that have probably put him in the red where he's like, damn it. Like, why did I do this? So you can learn what not to do just as much as you can learn what to do. And being a subject matter expert that is a public figure expert, you know, and somebody that's well known by the masses, that's that's different, but you can be in private. And this goes back to how you are building out your personal brand. Are you building out your personal brand in the right circles or in a, in a way of, um, you know, being anonymous? Totally was about to butcher that word. Or are you building out your personal brand or your credibility in a way to where every single person knows you? And that way generates more opportunities in the long run. But if you want to be in private and you're marking off and, you know, crossing off the checklist of what you want to accomplish and what you want to do in life, then then more power to you. That's your definition of success. Yeah, certainly um, with the public subject matter experts, you're likely to get a larger networking effect, I would think. Yeah, well, and, and the other thing, it's like, being able to network with that individual or invite them on for the show is going to naturally give you credibility. It's going to give you, you know, help boost you up, give you more attention because now all the fans and followers of that individual are going to say, Hey, this person's been on this podcast. Let me go listen to this interview because they're invested in that individual. That doesn't necessarily mean the value is going to be as good though. And that's another thing to where we have certain people that are well known by everybody, but they don't know Jack anything, you know? And so that's also, reason for you to be careful and validate a person's success if they're telling you how to become you know wealthy and you live a, a happy marriage yet they've been divorced five times you're not going to learn from them how to live a happy happy marriage you're going to learn from them what not to do in a marriage and so it's like validate the people you're listening to especially and you know running a google search is a great way and that's why i said you know earlier today starting out what pops up when you're googled because if something that's negative pops up or a negative review or some court case it's like those things can hurt your reputation in the long run, even on a even on a micro level. Yeah, and I think this goes back to what I said with uh, GSP and Conor McGregor. You know, GSP, uh, he's of course Canadian, so he's the one that I chose. But he's a true great pound for pound champ for you know the longest time, mm -hmm. and a true technical master. So, like, if let's let's pretend he's got a podcast, it could be the best content you've ever heard but you would be listening to Conor McGregor's. Do you know what I mean? Like he, you know, Absolutely. McGregor is the Joe Rogan of the fighting world. A big reason why I was looking forward to having you on the show was how to get that content out there because, you know, there's it and I'm competing like, and, and you as well with your podcast, there are probably some great episodes out there that nobody's listened to. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. And man, I, I want you to take that little minute clip and, and chop that up and send that to me. Cause I want to promote that. That was, that was good. I like, I like that example and how you brought that up um and you're absolutely right i would i would not listen to the other guys i'll be listening to connor's because I'm, I'm interested in connor i'm interested in the personality and you know really getting your content out there too you know 
number one, understanding the, the mindset shift of the algorithms are pro you. They're pro creator, anti-consumer. You could argue and say they're pro-consumer, but really they're just trying to keep, keep the consumer addicted. It's like the alcohol company. It's like the cigarette company, you know, promoting to the same people to keep them addicted. Social media has all the right things to work every single happy-go-lucky, you know, hormone and chemical in your brain saying, oh, I want to stay here. And then they promote the things that you're interested in. And so you like mansions or fancy cars or random cat memes. Guess what? You're going to be seeing a lot of cat memes. And that's been what's in my feed a lot lately. There's not, there's a reason for that. So for you as the creator though, there are certain things and certain steps that you can take to increase the chances of virality and triggering the algorithm. Twitter, I'll tell you, and, and I'll get super specific and I don't typically do that, but you're asking a lot of the, the how questions, not so much of the what, but the how questions. And I like that. So I'll get super specific for where we're at right here in 2022. Hashtags on Twitter do not do anything, not worth it. Facebook hashtags really don't do anything. LinkedIn hashtags can somewhat do things. Instagram and TikTok, though, are when you need to be putting hashtags in. So if you're doing a reel, post it at, not as a normal video, but you're given the option to post that video as a reel. Sub 60 seconds, vertical, there should not be any black lines underneath or above. It needs to show your face or it needs to be, you know, the entire screen is video. And having, you know, if you wanted to take the extra steps to edit it and to have the text and subtitles on, that's great because a lot of times people are in places where they can't listen, you know, with audio. So they're going to see that, you know, the text and keep engaging with it. Twitter, you need to be posting at least four to eight tweets a day. You can schedule those out ahead of time. But, you know, that that's when you can kind of just put your thoughts out there. It doesn't need to be extremely formal. Now, be careful and be cautious with what you say, avoid politics, avoid things that are going to create a rift in your audience, unless you're one of those divisive figures and you want your brand to be built around that. Let's say you're a politician, you're going to appeal to that one side or, you know, the masses with your opinions and your view viewpoints. But Instagram, you know, it started out as a, a platform for photos and it quickly transpired and turned into a platform for video. And now short form vertical videos is, you know, reels are performing. And if you want to monetize, you know, switching over your account to a creator account um, and putting out content can make you eligible for the creator fund. You know, and I was recently um, the reason I was in Washington, D.C. is I was I was attending Meta Boost. Uh, man, excuse me, I need to slow down for a second. Meta Boost Gather, which is Facebook Meta, um, their annual event for business leaders in the United States. And so they flew flew 500 business leaders to Washington DC for this conference. And a lot of us were getting paid from Facebook there. We were getting, you know, incentivized to create content through the reels and the creator fund. I know people who have, you know, a couple hundred thousand followers that are consistently getting 800 to $1,200 every single month and in supplemental income just by creating reels and creating content. Um, then, I mean, I, I could get into more specifics, but you know, every single platform, Form, it has a different psychology about it. But once you understand that psychology and how consumers behave, then you're able to lean into the psychology. And I hate to use the word, but for lack of a better term, manipulate the consumer behavior. And that's what algorithms do. They're, they're there to manipulate you. Yeah. And I think everybody knows that and they just accept it. <laughs> Pretty much. I think Pretty one, much. one of the first uh, couple episodes I had was with a friend of mine who's been in the video game industry for the last 20 years. Hmm. And it was actually, I think, a great episode because we talked about building a, a video game and, and how hmm. to advertise it properly. And 
you know, something that he said was you don't need to spend hours and hours researching and finding the perfect way for you. He's like, just copy what the big guys are doing. He's like, that's what we do. So he said, you know, his, his is a smaller company. So they had the game, my singing monsters. I don't know if you ever heard of that app, but you could like stick them together. Anyways, the face was like a cartoon character. And he said that everybody else would open the mouth of the cartoon guys. As soon as they did that, their downloads went up like 30% or something. So he he's just like, you know, you can learn a lot of lessons from the guys who are really making it. So I think um, certainly something I need to, to do and what I just learned from you is kind of cater to each social media's presence in a way that the best are in that area. Yeah. And uh, man, if I could add one more thing and then I'm going to shut up. Um, he talked about reverse engineering reverse engineer what is successful, what is working. And, and if I could, you know, shameless plug for a second, I actually mentioned that in my book. You know, I wrote Personal Branding and Manifesto on Fame and Influence last year. And a super short read, I explained the what and why of personal branding. But one of the things I discussed is reverse engineering. And that's what I did with when I was building out my personal brands. And I didn't start out building out personal brands as a living. Like that wasn't my first business. I was in network marketing three different times, four different times, three different companies, four different times, excuse me. I did a clothing line. I wanted to do drop shipping. I managed musical talent for six months, wanted to do record label, had all these different things that I was doing. And I didn't know what I was doing. And then eventually I realized that I had a knack for building out my personal brand. And what I was doing is I was just building out my reputation as this young entrepreneur trying to figure his stuff out. And then I was like, wait a second. I was reverse engineering all these successful people learning what they did. Let me do this to a high level. And so if you're in the video game sector, yeah, reverse engineer what is working for Bethsheeta and you know Rockstar Games and all these other things or mobile applications. It's like, that is a wonderful way of measuring success just off that statistic alone saying, hey, you know, our downloads increased by 30%. Well, can you imagine now you're a local bakery? Okay, what has worked for other bakeries that have been super successful? and kind of adopting some of those principles. Don't be a copycat, you know, but take those best pieces, understand and learn from their mistakes. And now you're going to get this well-optimized machine that is just going to run and get you results. And I think that's the, the most brilliant thing that you could ever possibly do. Yeah, absolutely. And I think when we talk about why we do things, for me, for this podcast, you know, the first goal was to have great conversations like we are mm -hmm. having today, to be honest. And then the second was to learn lessons in a absolute zero risk way. So, mm. and then carry those lessons over to a real business with real money. So one idea I had, and I know you're a coffee guy and it's just kind of a funny thing to talk about, but let's just use it as an example. Mm -hmm. um, I always thought that it would be cool to have a food truck that does coffee. So like, you know, a coffee truck. I don't know if you guys have any of those down where you're from, but let's say that I'm the guy who has a coffee truck and you drive it to the events and you can do all those things. Probably a great way to be successful in that business would be, yeah, find what works for other coffee companies and reverse engineer off that. Yeah. Well, I mean, I could, I could go in and pull a couple of examples right now, just off of that idea and saying that creating experience with the coffee truck, obviously you can't have people come into the truck and sit down like at Starbucks, but you know, the, the menu of Starbucks was done methodically. Venti, grande, they don't do small, medium, and large. It's like venti, grande, you know? It's like, okay, cool. 
cool, Karen. But it's like those are those things, though, that are creating an experience for their consumer, which helps them stand out, which is why they're beating Dunkin' Donuts. They're beating Panera Bread. They're beating all these other coffee shops and people are willing to pay. I was at the airport. I dropped like $8.35 on some like caramel double shot espresso coffee. And I'm like, growing up, if I spent $8 on coffee, my mom would, would have like been like, no, absolutely not. Like you're grounded. You know, but but that's the thing. It's It's the experience. And so that is especially important for brick and mortar businesses too. And, and, you know, one of the things at this event that I was at for Meta, um, you know, listening to some of the issues that the small business owners that had brick and mortar stores were, were facing, I'm like me as a digital business owner, my business is online. Sure. I might have a physical office space eventually, but I'm able to work from the comfort of my home and have a remote team. And this is a model that more and more businesses are seeing that is, you know, succeeding. Yet at the same point, these brick and mortar businesses are struggling. In it. And so, so it's like one of those things that they could do to increase revenue and increase their visibility and their social presence and their reputation, because reputation management is not just for personal brands and it's not just for companies. Both have their time and place is to create a customer experience where whenever somebody comes into that store, they want to share it on social media. They want to leverage the consumer's personal brand to grow the company's company brand. That's what that's what more and more businesses are starting to do to where you think of a boutique shop. They probably have 10,000, 20, 30, 40,000 followers on Instagram because of the experience. People come in and they want to show, hey, look where I'm at. I'm at the place or going to a shopping mall or something like that. And, and so, you know, if you wanted to do a mobile coffee truck, which I think I might have seen once or twice, but it's not like a super big thing. But you get that parked outside of a corporate office baby, you're set, um, you know, creating an experience with the menu or what they're getting, or is there an incentive or something like that, that will incentivize them to come back. That's how you stand out. That's how you establish your reputation. Yeah, absolutely. And I know, I know you mentioned you're like, not too far from Miami area, like say I'm up in Canada, so it's cold here a lot of the time. So mm -hmm. coffee's, coffee's a good go, but you know, down there, it could be a slushy truck or whatever, iced coffee, you know, and then mm -hmm. You know, you get the right music playing, you get the right vibe out there, you get some picnic tables in front, you could definitely get some shares and people are going to want to post on social media and stuff like that. Yeah. It's, it's interesting that you mentioned that they cater to other people's personal brands. I've never really thought of it that way. Is that mm -hmm. something that's kind of emerging or is that just, you know, been around for a while? Well, let's think let's think about influencer marketing, right? You know, all these people now who are, you know, they're, they're nano influencers, micro influencers with a thousand or less than 10,000, or they have Shaquille O'Neal, who's on an Epson printer commercial. I never thought I'd see Shaq on a commercial for printer ink, but it happened, you know, his face was on the Domino's pizza. So it's like that celebrity marketing is now influencer marketing and it, vice versa. A lot of these influencers are becoming celebrities. A lot of these celebrities are also doing the influencing. It's been around for decades, but when it comes to corporations leveraging the personal brands of the, you know, the, the consumer of the client, of the customer, of the person walking in the store, it's been going on forever because word of mouth has always existed. Word of mouth is still the most powerful form of marketing. It's just the tools and the medium for leveraging the personal brands have recently evolved to where now, whereas, you know, let's say you had a group of moms who were sitting around talking about what they got from the grocery store back in the fifties, that's evolved to where now you have, they're sharing it to their Facebook group, their Facebook page, they're sharing it to their Instagram stories. So it's like the medium and the platform and the way is evolving, but that word of mouth is still existing. And it goes back to the medieval times 
People would go to one baker versus the next. People would buy the swords and the weapons and the shields from one blacksmith versus the next because of the reputation of that one. And then they would spread the word and say, you need to go to this guy, not the other. And that is a form of kind of the, the crowd mentality because now it's like, oh, I want to fit in and your word carries weight. I trust you. I know you. I like you. I'm going to listen to you. And I also want to be like you. So let me go go to the same place. And so it, it's consumer psychology, which is, you know, super intriguing. That's kind of why I like doing what I do, because I'm like, how can I influence that in a moral and ethical way? And that's why it's fun. Yeah. And there are so many avenues to work at nowadays, as you say, so it's many. crazy. And yeah, so many. yeah, like I'm just trying to wrap my head around all this stuff. But I think with that being said, I think we covered a lot here. I'm going to have to listen to this back a couple of times and maybe have, a, have you on again with some more intelligent questions as we move forward. You got no, man, you asked a lot of the intelligent questions. So, so don't get me wrong. You asked some really, really great questions. And I'm just excited to see how you grow with your show and your own personal brand and, you know, the show's reputation. And yeah, anytime you want me back, just let me know. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for coming on. And as we know, if anybody wants to uh, talk to you about your business or consult on their own personal branding, they can find you at IsaacMashman.com. Joe again. is not a financial advisor and may have interest in the stocks discussed on the show. So do not take any information included within this podcast as a recommendation or formal advice. Thank you. 